packed show today. Michigan State gets a new kicker, potentially a starter for the upcoming season. The 2023 class gets a decommit, unfortunately. Who are we going to most miss from last season? And oh yeah, two early MSU opponents just named their starting quarterback. Let's get into it all. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan family, Spartan friends, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us at Locked on Spartans. Uh, you guys are just quite simply the best. Cannot get enough of your support and your energy, too, as we are now nine days, nine days away from kickoff if you're listening on Wednesday. Uh, yes, hey, on YouTube, we drop these episodes night early, so if it's still Tuesday night, okay, I'll pump the brakes. It's still only 10 days till kickoff, but nonetheless... We're coming in white hot to kickoff. Uh, and yeah, we got so much to talk about. Just like I said, we might have just added a starter to this Michigan State team with less than two weeks until kickoff through the transfer portal. How exciting is that? But before we get to any of that, hey, just uh, want to politely ask you to rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, comment below. Any questions, comments, what you are liking about the show? If you have a crazy hot take about what's going to happen this season, drop that in the comments below. Or, hey, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is still the email address to find us at. So let her rip. Send all your questions, your segment ideas, complaints, comments, great tailgating recipes. LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. All right. Let's get into it right now. Yes, Michigan State. uh, They have a hole. At kicker, uh, Matt Coglin, after being here since the Bobby Williams era, his time at Michigan State finally came to an end as he burnt up his final year of eligibility last season. So, for the first time in a long time, Michigan State needs a kicker. For the longest time, too, throughout camp, you know, we've talked up and down about it. It was going to be true freshman, Jack Stone, or returner, Stephen Rusnak. Or... Or, through the transfer portal, Michigan State just added Auburn kicker Ben Patton. Yes, that's right. He is going to be a graduate transfer with three years of eligibility remaining from Auburn, like I said. But he's actually not a stranger to the Mitten State at all. He played high school ball at Rochester Adams, that fine program over there. So, there you have it. Um, This kid is definitely in competition to be a starter. Of course, Mel Tucker talked recently in camp that yeah he, he doesn't hate what he's seen out of the kicking group it's just that no one has really pulled ahead and made themselves the front runner in the competition what 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 better thing to do than just to bring in a third guy because uh look i think it's there's not a lot of positions that you could do this at right bring in a kid to the team 11 days in advance a that's gonna be weird with the chemistry in the position group okay and then you gotta learn the playbook the schemes yada 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 for all the other position groups out there, kicking, pretty straightforward. Um, hey, you see that guy? He's going to hold the ball right there. You see those uprights over there? Put the ball through those things, and uh, that's just probably how you kick. So, yeah, kicking is a position where you could just plug in and play just like that. So let's get to know a little bit more about Ben Patton, shall we? At Auburn. He was the backup kicker, but the starter, Anders Carlson, sustained an ACL injury. So, Ben Patton was thrusted into that starting position for the tail end of the season, and he went 5 of 6 from field goals. Uh, you know, he didn't miss an extra point, but yes, from field goals, he was 5 of 6, including 
including, now this is a big one, drilling a 49-yarder right down Main Street in the Iron Bowl in overtime. So, of course, kicking, half physical, half mental. The kids got the stones to drill a near 50-yard field goal in overtime for Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Of course, they went on to lose that game. Alabama scored a touchdown after that field goal, but hey, that, that field goal still counts, and that's really good. Now, the one he did miss was within 30 yards, just straight pushed it right against South Carolina. So, you know, it wasn't perfect, but still, 5-6 of six on the year. Clearly has the leg, clearly has the mental fortitude to make big kicks in his career. So there you have it. We have Ben Patton now putting his name into the starting kicker position battle and probably going to win it, honestly, if, if you're asking my opinion here. Um, now, I will say he transferred out of Auburn for a reason, right? Like he just didn't leave because he didn't like uh, you know, what was going on down there. No, the, the starting kicker, Anders Carlson, he is back. But also more importantly... Auburn just got the number one kicking recruit in the nation. He is on campus right now. And this name is going to sound familiar uh, to you. His name is Alex McPherson. Now, if the name sounds familiar to you, it's because his older brother, Evan McPherson, of course, the old incredible kicker for Florida, now kicks for the Cincinnati Bengals, had some massive kicks uh, on their way to a Super Bowl spot. So, yeah, he's sandwiched between a returning starter and then the number one kid in the nation. So, for him, it was time to go. And what a landing spot here where he's got three years of eligibility to burn up at Michigan State, a place that's close to home. Now, I will say this. Is the problem solved? Uh, am I not going to stop or am I going to stop losing sleep over what's going on in the kicking room? No, no, because I'm a sick person. But uh, no, but on, on a real note, it, it, it helps. It helps the problem. But I don't know if it solves it because, look, I, point blank, there's maybe three, five programs in the whole nation that could really earnestly say they are in love with what they have at the kicker position. Please, it's college football, but this certainly, certainly helps. This is who else that Ben Patton will be going up against. Jack Stone. Okay, he's a true freshman, rated number 20 on Cole's kicking. They are a prep uh, kicking academy. They, of course, rate a bunch of kickers as well. Or he's all the way up to the number six rated kicker on 24-7 sports. So there is some variance there, but point blank, known as a good kicker in the high school ranks who, well, now he's a true freshman at Michigan State. Now we look back at Ben Patton's field goal numbers, five of six, right? That's not a big sample size at all. Not the biggest sample size from Jack Stone either. He only kicked three field goals in high school last year. So it's not like this kid's coming in. Oh, he went 27 of 29 in his field goals at high school. Like, no, he he really doesn't have a whole lot of in-game experience either, even at the high school ranks. So, yes, sure, incredible leg, but, you know, doing it at a kicking camp in the summer is a lot different than doing it in front of 76,000 fans in a close Big Ten game. So, I, who's to say how that's going to go? And then Stephen Rusnak as well. Uh, that's not a old name. He took over for Matt Coughlin when he was going through his injury issues. Five of six on extra points last year. He had one field goal attempt from 43 yards against Purdue. Did not go well. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it wasn't the best kicking situation at the end of last year. And you saw that in the Penn State game when really Mel Tucker had such little faith in the kicking game that he opted to go for it on fourth and 15 from the 20-yard line instead of kicking a 37-yard field goal against Penn State. But you know what? Uh, it worked. So th- there you have it. This helps ease tensions, though, a little bit, and we're no stranger to close games in college football. 
Hardly any programs are. Now, let's talk about why the kicking position is so important and why we're burning up a whole first segment talking about kicking, a position not a lot of people really give enough respect to, in my opinion. So last year, Michigan State, our football Spartans, had four games settled by five points or less. They won all four of those games. They went 4-0. 2019, I'm just going to skip the COVID year. There was no real close games there. 2019, the team had three games settled by three points or less, and they went 1-2. 2018, they had five games settled by four points or less. They went 2-3 and three in those five games. And then 2017, just two games settled by three points, but you go 2-0. and oh. Sometimes it's just those little points, those three-point field goals, those one-point extra points are the difference between a win and a loss. I probably didn't have to tell you that, but just to reiterate how important the kicking position is, there you have it. So overall, this is only good, obviously, right? The, the news of Ben Patton. Um, because, hey, also too, just like we talk about Jack Stone, depending on what recruiting site you look at, top-rated kicker. Uh, the sites have him very highly regarded, but we especially as Michigan State fans know that a top-rated high school kicker is hardly a guarantee. Uh, let's go back a few years to Jack Olson, All-American kid. I thought he was going to be the future of kicking at Michigan State, no doubt about it. But after Matt Coughlin came back for another year of eligibility, he transferred to Northwestern. I thought, oh man, there goes a great three or four-year kicker. Guys, he he he's probably not even going to be the starter at Northwestern this year. Like, kicking is such a fickle game in college. Where yeah, sure, Michigan State had two guys to look at in training camp, but if it was up to me. If it was up to Mel Tucker, probably, I would have 18 kids on campus right now going for the starting kicker position, especially when you're trying to fill the shoes of a guy that was here for so long in Matt Coglin. So now you have three guys to pick from. Uh, yeah, okay, we're less than two weeks, but again, it's a kicker. Like, who cares? Like, this isn't a receiver learning the route tree or an offensive guard learning blocking schemes. It's a it's a, it's a kicker. I mean, it's a, this is a point. It's pretty black and white across every program in the nation what their job is. So, look, it, all, all you got to do in college football, in my opinion, in my opinion, it is find a kid that gives you the best shot of nailing 80% of his field goals. Why 80%? Because, well, that, that gets you top 40 in the nation. Matt Coglin for his career, he was 73%. That was right on the cusp of average right there. And it was a, it was a solid kicker. Obviously, he also leads you know the whole program in scoring, but... If you can find a kid to get you field goals at an 80% or higher clip, that's fine. And I think having three guys vie for that role is a fantastic way to do that. So on the other end of this break, we will be getting into a decommit for the 2023 class. Uh, we will also answer a question on who we will miss the most next year. And guys, we got a whole lot to talk to. But first, I just have to talk your ear off about something very important, especially with tailgating season right around the corner. Especially, hey, let's say you're going to a bar this weekend to catch some week zero games. Simply put, drive sober or get pulled over. Hey, let's say you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. I, I know I will in a few weeks, but you got to have a plan because a few becomes too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. You take the same highway to and from Michigan State every Saturday. How hard can it be? And I, what are the odds you get pulled over anyway, right? And even so... What's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, oh, you just lose your job, <laughs> you totally your car, or, well, you also kill someone too. Everyone knows the risk about drunk driving. The results are tragic and often, way too often, deadly. 
However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. And that is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think that you're okay after having a few drinks, please think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead. Get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change not just your life, but someone else's life forever. Drive sober, drive sober or get pulled over. And before getting back to some Michigan State football talk, thanks again for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day. And folks, the ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, the Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the upcoming college football season in one spot. Search for the ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. All right. Well, hey, yesterday's episode was a lot of fun. While talking about recruiting, you get four-star Jalen Thompson out of Cast Tech. And then Tuesday night, Demetrius Bell, the wide receiver commit, or, well, ex-commit, decommits from the 2023 class. So, uh, hey, that's, that's recruiting. Ebbs and flows. Ups and downs, and right now we're talking about one of the downs really quickly right now. Um, Demetrius Bell, four-star athlete per 24-7 sports. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you and be disingenuous and say, oh, yeah, we lost him, but <laughs> please, not that big of a loss. Like, no, I I was pretty high in this kid. Even though he was rated like a, a four-star, you know, kind of like a middling four-star right there, not a high four-star, not a low four-star, right in the middle, I thought he was underrated. I loved his first step. I loved his route running ability, his ability to high point the football. I thought he was great at all of that. So, yes, I... I am bummed about this, no doubt about it, and it does kind of sting too because this is this is one of Michigan State's only visitors in the wide receiver group on campus during the offseason. Uh, Paul Billups, three-star receiver, he's the only other receiver to visit campus in June, but yeah, uh, Demetrius Bell, so long, uh, good luck wherever you go, he is not in the 2023 class anymore. And this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what Mel Tucker just talked about at his latest press conference when asked about recruiting and how he feels about his class. And he went on to say, yeah, we got commits. It's great, but what does the word commit really mean? I mean, this isn't what he said verbatim. I'm kind of spitballing here, but this is the essence of what he said, is that they still have to recruit every single day. Even if a kid already tweeted out that he's committed to Michigan State, like he's still having conversations with kids that are saying, yeah, coach, I committed, but I'm still open to a lot of other offers. And, you know, this is another example of that. Already saw it earlier this cycle with Jalen Braxton, the cornerback that committed to Michigan State. And by the time any of us even got to know his name, already decommitted. So that's just the world of uh, recruiting in this day and age with NIL and everything like that, especially when you're going up for high-end prospects because Demetrius Bell did get an Alabama offer very quickly after he committed to Michigan State. Now, is that to say he's going to be going to the Crimson Tide? Like, no, but it's more so to say that every program is kind of after this kid because I think a lot of people saw that even as a four-star, he's a little underrated. So there you have it. Michigan State's class for 2023 sitting at 13 kids. Ten of them are four-stars, which is still incredible. So you still feel okay about the 2023 class. Wide receiver is a position that you could always swim in the portal for, but also you're feeling okay about Michigan State's receiver room, even for the future. You have Jeremy Bernard, Antonio Gates Jr. Even in 2024, you have Nick Marsh, but as we just learned, 
this could always change too unless that ink dries on their national letter of intent so there you have it just had to shine uh, the light on Demetrius Bell's decommitment right there that's no fun but let's get to a fun ish question it's a good question and this was sent to me at Sheehan underscore sports on Twitter also comment below on YouTube if you have any questions or lockedonspartans at gmail.com is also a great place to find us but this came from Cygnus and he said may I suggest a topic rank the Spartans Beside K9, uh, that we will miss the most this season. I might suggest, in order, Coughlin, Hayward, Jarvis, Naylor, Panashuk. There are so many good answers to this question. So, while I might not agree with that order, I'm not going to rip anyone apart for thinking that. I mean, this is a very subjective question, but let's just get into it right now. Here are my top six guys that Michigan State will miss for the entire season. Number one, K9. All right. I know the question said beside K9, but I just wanted to reiterate that, yeah, we're going to miss Kenneth Walker. No doubt about that. So number two, and this was a question posed a while ago, is what one player are we going to miss? Besides K9, of course. And my answer is what I have for number two. I haven't changed my answer since, and that's A.J. Arcuri. Uh, he is the uh, former offensive tackle who got actually picked in the seventh round of the NFL draft. But what he would have provided this year is a security blanket at tackle. Like, okay, you start our curie at the right tackle position, start Jared Horse at left tackle. Let's say Jared Horse goes down like he did last year. Okay, AJR Curie can slide right there, Spencer Brown step right up to right tackle. Or, you know, let's say, okay, we do lose a right tackle, AJR Curie goes down. Like that, you still have depth with Spencer Brown right there. So that's a strictly a depth play right there. And speaking of depth on the offensive line, my number three guy who I think Michigan State will miss the most this season is Kevin Jarvis because he did everything. He played center, he played left guard, he played right guard, he could play offensive tackle, he could probably change your oil in less than 30 minutes, he can probably cook you a great five-course meal. This kid did it all when he was at Michigan State, and well, that's why he got 39 starts of experience under his belt, so... Yes, I thought the world of Kevin Jarvis. I thought he was a really solid player for Michigan State, but also that Swiss Army knife that you could just plug in and play anywhere on the line. And if you've heard any episode the last few weeks or episodes from a lot of other podcasters or columnists like or anyone that talks about Michigan State football, you do know that offensive line depth is going to be a concern this year. So missing a guy like Jarvis, that's why I have him number three. Number four... And this is the guy that I could not have been more wrong about in my entire life, Connor Hayward, who still owes me one clean punch right in the teeth because whew, did he put me and a lot of other people uh, in their place last year. Look, I, point blank, I, running back was not his position, and ever since he got out of that position after the first few years, completely and utterly balled out. Uh, people could say, okay, he played tight end, he played fullback, he played the H-back. I, simply put, he just played the Connor Hayward position, and he did it so well. Uh, he, he's a weapon that was very hard to find for especially how he played it. You know, he had like the build of the H-back and the fullback. But like he, he caught the ball like the most reliable slot receiver that you'll ever find too. So yes, we are going to miss him a ton next year. Uh, number five, I cheated. Uh, I just went with Jacob Panashuk slash Drew Beasley. Both defensive ends from last year course i'm feeling okay about the defensive line and more specifically defensive ends going into this year with florida transfer chris bogle returner jeff petrowski and also well the wonderful coaching of brandon jordan marco coleman kevin vickerson 
So, yes, both of those defensive ends we will still miss because they were they were solid last year, I thought. And then number six is Jalen Naylor, which is a really odd place to put a guy that was just drafted to the Minnesota Vikings at, that he's only six on my list and not higher. But that's not so much that I didn't like Jalen Naylor. I, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. But I really, really think this wide receiver room is awesome. And I don't think the drop-off from Jalen Naylor to where we're going to be this year with whether it be Keon Coleman, okay, Montori Foster, even Jeremy Bernard. I don't think it's that steep of a drop-off. So that's why I have him at six. He's still going to miss him a little bit. Still had some great moments at Michigan State, but this wide receiver room is something special, no doubt about that. Uh, for honorable mentions, yeah, I did write down uh, Quaveras Crouch, you know, just because uh, that play against Michigan where he leveled the punter all the way to the 35th row of Section 7 uh, will always live rent-free in my head, but he also is not my top six because he may have ad-libbed a, a few too many times out there on the field, and when you're a linebacker, you really want to do what the coaches tell you, so hopefully that happens this year. Um, also, get Matt Coglin, you know, got to give him the honorable mention, especially if kicking starts to go to the wayside early on, and then another honorable mention is the trio of Blake Buter, Matt Allen, Luke Campbell, all those interior guys. Luke Campbell, a little bit offensive tackle too. But between those three guys, 129 games of experience have left the program. So, yes, I know they weren't all Big Ten guys. You know, but still, that's a lot of experience and bodies that you are missing from last year. So, that's a great question. Thank you so much again. Spartans at gmail.com. Sheehan underscore sports. Or, hey, YouTube. Comment below. Uh, really quick, guys. Got to pay a quick bill. So uh, we're just going to pause for a hot second here just so we can sneak that in right now. All righty. Uh, let's go from Locked on Spartans to Locked on Broncos and Locked on Huskies because both upcoming opponents for Michigan State just named their starting quarterbacks uh, on this Tuesday. Now, uh, of course, we're going to start with the Western quarterback because that's the first game coming up next Friday, and uh, Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports reported that Jack Solopek has emerged as a starting quarterback at Western Michigan. Uh, he played in two games in reserve of starter Caleb Ely in 2021 and threw five passes. And if you think I'm going to break down his five passes, congratulations, you are correct. Uh, let's take a look at what Jake Solopek, I'm assuming I'm saying that name right, did. Gotta say Pretty good against uh, his only legitimate competition last year uh, against Pitt, who Western Michigan beat last year. Let's not forget about that. Way to go, Pat Narduzzi. Good on you. Uh, he went three for three. Mr. Solopic went three for three in his first college football action against Pitt last year. Three pass plays in a row, 20 total yards, but turnover on downs to end that drive. So it didn't amount to a field goal or a touchdown or anything. But yeah, three for three there. That's good. And then, well, what happened the other two passes? About a month later, against Ball State, he got to throw the ball twice, both incomplete in a loss to Ball State. So there you have it. Uh, that's all I can give you right there. Five passes, six foot three kid, you know, uh, lowly rated three star kid when he came out in 2020. Um, I guess I, I, I guess I could crunch some high school film of his uh, for the future. And believe me, we will be getting a lot more into Western Michigan next week. We're actually going to be speaking with the editor-in-chief of Western Michigan Student Newspaper next week to break down the game. But yeah, that's your quick quarterback synopsis right there for the Broncos. And buckle up here 
for a very familiar name. Uh, out of Seattle, Washington, news broke that Michael Penix Jr. is the starting quarterback for the Huskies heading into the next season. Michigan State plays them on the road in Week 3, I'm sure you know. But uh, yeah, and I'm sure you know this as well. Penix is a old Indiana quarterback. He hit the transfer portal, and uh, he is hooked up again with Kalen DeBoer, who is now the head coach at Washington. Now, why do they know each other? Well, Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach in 2019. That was Michael Penix's best season at Indiana because, look, last year is actually not that good. Uh, and uh, sadly, that's the sad thing that what I'm about to bring up is that the last three years, Michael Penix ended his season with season-ending injuries, right? So he is... Injury prone, to, to say the least. And last year w- was not a good season because, A, unfortunately, they played in five games. But in those five games, just four touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 53% completion percentage. So not not too great there. Uh, of course, Michael Penix did not play in that game against Michigan State last year. They had to go to their backup quarterbacks. But he does have experience against our Spartans. Uh, back in 2020, he went 25 of 38. 320 yards, two TDs, two interceptions in the loss against Michigan State. And then in 2019, he actually lit us up pretty good. Uh, 33 of 42, I think it was 328 yards and three touchdowns. But our Spartans still got that win, luckily. Um, Yeah, so look again, he's a starting quarterback if he's healthy because he's got leg issues, he's had a shoulder issue. But hey, it's only three weeks he's got to live. And he's back with a coach he is very, very familiar with in uh, Kalen DeBauer over th- Kalen DeBoer over there. So there you have it. And you know what? Why not just for the road talk about bowl projections, right? We got time. We got time to kill. We are within ten days of kickoff here, and it's always fun to look at these way too early bowl projections. It's the same reason I look at bracketology in the dead of August uh, for no good reason other than the fact that I'm a sick fan. And I like to get anxious and riled up about stuff when it's totally unnecessary. So let's just do that right now with some bowl projections. I've got seven written in front of me. And there is some variance here. I also wanted to bring this up just to really show you how volatile Michigan State is in the minds of a lot of media members. So 24-7 Sports has Michigan State tabbed for the pinstripe bowl against Boston College. Probably not what you wanted to hear. Uh, ESPN, they have two gentlemen making bowl projections. One has the Dukes Mayo Bowl versus Wake Forest, and the other one has the, get ready for this one, the Ralea Quest Bowl versus LSU. Now, what in God's name is the Ralea Quest Bowl? It's just the new Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl is no longer the Outback Bowl. It is now the Ralea Quest Bowl over in Tampa, Florida. Still a New Year's Bowl game. Uh, so that's a, that would be a solid landing spot for Michigan State, all things considered. Uh, to round it out here, the Action Network has the highest bowl projection for Michigan State, the Citrus Bowl against Arkansas. Of course, Arkansas, I just say Arkansas. Uh, that's an inside joke with our family that I don't know why we do. Uh, I'll get an answer on that that you guys don't care about here. Uh, CBS, Music City Bowl versus Kentucky. College Football News, Music City Bowl, but against South Carolina. And then Sporting News, that's right, the Raleigh Quest Bowl against Ole Miss. So how fun is that? So we are anywhere between the Pinstripe Bowl slash Duke's Mayo Bowl all the way up to the Citrus Bowl. So um, you know what I'm going to say next. Stay tuned to find out what's going to happen this season, but 
look, I, I, they actually did this segment not too long ago on 97.1. I think it was two days ago, the Vlenny and uh, Rico show. Uh, gave it a listen. God, it's been a while since I've tuned in. But uh, they were talking about bull projections. And the question was simply put, okay, Michigan State is tapped for the Citrus Bowl. Do you take that right now? Or do you roll the dice for the upcoming season? And it's very hard for me to not take it and run. Because that would probably mean a 10-win season. But then again, off the heels of a New Year's Six Bowl, let's have some fun. Let's roll the dice. Let's try to get to Pasadena or something crazy like that. So there you have it. Those are your bowl projections. We'll be updating you guys throughout the year as the, you know, the games actually happen. And those bowl projections have some substance. But it's always fun to do a little goofy one like that ever so often. So, guys, thank you so much uh, for tuning in to Lockdown Spartans. We will be back tomorrow. Now, we're going to see what's going to go on the rest of the week. One episode is going to be a Big Ten preview with Ben Stevens of, you know, the friend of the program. You know, the old Lockdown Big Ten host. And uh, if there's any news that breaks, we will be there. So, hey, regardless, your team in green and white, five days a week. We will be back tomorrow. You guys are the best. Love you all. Go Green.